When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name's Adam Russell. I'm one of your hosts. Also one of your hosts, I'm Ryan Key. Bright suns, everyone. Hey. I always forgot to say that. Well done. Took me a year. I remember. <laughs> it's been a while. Happy anniversary! <laughs> hey, this is Nick. Thanks for having me for the last year, guys. A year. Wow. Wow. One Earth year. That's nuts. How many years is it in uh, Stardates or whatever? How do we do years in Star Wars? <laughs> I don't know. There's a Star Trek one. I don't know. But that could be the next podcast. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a huge hit. I was talking about that. <laughs> we haven't done a one quarter portion in a long time. Let's break down years, Star Wars time. <laughs> Nick's been on the show for a year, everybody. That's what we're talking about, by the way. Is it a year <laughs> since your first official, hey, I'm on the podcast episode? No, actually, no. It, it's a year since now that Solo. Now think about it. It's a year since we did Solo. Yeah. Yeah, the Solo podcast. Okay. Since you, you were in my house a year ago. Yep. Crazy. Galaxy's Edge that day. Yep. Way more toys around here now. That's the only thing that's changed. Well, maybe before the year's over, we'll go back altogether. We'll see. Hey, there's 368 days in the Galactic Standard Calendar. There it is. Pretty close. Thanks, Drew. Either way. Either way's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's uh, get into this right now. Today, we're talking about season six of the Clone Wars animated series, The Lost Missions. The second ending. Yeah. <laughs> of the three endings. I was thinking about this today. There's three endings and they all rule. Yeah, that's like true. This, yeah. this Yoda arc to end it, if this yeah. was the ending, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For a season that people kind of seem to dismiss as like, oh, that's just those leftover episodes. There's some great stuff in this season. They do what Clone Wars does. It's like the first four. All right. Total bangers. Mid-season, little rut. Jar Jar gets a girlfriend. And then <laughs> Jar Jar's got it. <laughs> Julia. Julia Banks. And then they close it out strong. It's great. Me Julie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jar Jar. It's all right. I read something today that Liam Neeson's said when he met Ahmad Best that he felt like he was working with the next Eddie Murphy. And that he still stands by that today. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Damn. That is he, right. he was Neeson's was very distraught over the criticism of the film and of Jar Jar specifically. Because he, I guess he rode down pretty hard with Mr. Best. Yeah, in the desert with his with his shades and the uh, the uh, like the white towel over his head. You know that yeah. like, <laughs> behind the scenes look. Did you ever see that article? It was like a really quick like internet article, and the headline was Liam Neeson swears that a horse remembered him from another movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but no. I love that. <laughs> he straight up was on the set of another movie and swears that. He worked with a horse for a second time, and the horse remembered him. But the headline was like, Liam Neeson says a horse remembered him from another movie. (laughs) I mean, I think that everyone's dogs or cats remember me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, yeah, dude, I went to their house, hadn't been there in four years. Cat rolled up like totally, you know, they never do this with other people. Totally remembered me. I always say that. Classic Neeson's. Classic Neeson's. (laughs) 
All right, let's do stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? The Clone Wars Season 6, The Lost Missions, as it's known, debuted March 7th, 2014 on Netflix. The first and only season on Netflix. Lucasfilm completed these episodes even though Cartoon Network was done with the show. So afterwards, they said, screw it, we're going we're gonna to make it anyway. It was a one-record deal. Yeah. <laughs> it started a Kickstarter. Yeah. They're like, we're going to finish these. Got a good split, you know. One album deal is great. Yeah. I've been on a couple of, I feel like our last couple with Hopeless Records have all been. Yeah. You want, it's like, hey, you want to do one more? All right. You get that legacy one album deal. Yeah. Well, the, old, the old guy deal. You think <laughs> they'll do another season of Clone Wars on Hopeless? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Writers, a lot of the usuals, Katie Lucas returns to write the opening arc. J.W. Rinsler wrote episodes eight and nine. You might recognize his name. He's, he's been around. He was on, uh, what was he on, um, Resistance Broadcast last oh, year? Yeah, pretty recently, yeah. You might recognize his name from a bunch of Star Wars reference books, like The Art of Revenge of the Sith, The Making of Revenge of the Sith, Making of the Empire Strikes Back, and The Making of Return of the Jedi. What was the other, what was the novel he wrote? I swear there was something that we talked about. I don't know. Could be wrong. Point being, been around cast is all familiar folks especially i thought you were just gonna say the cast is liam neeson <laughs> yeah liam neeson's <laughs> returns as qui-gon jinn liam neeson's. we'll talk about later what happens it's great big takeaways from this season we already kind of discussed but it, it really comes down to two arcs and we're going to do this just like we've done all the other episodes we'll discuss kind of the essentials and since it's a shorter season just 13 episodes it's really about the opening and closing arcs, and then we'll we'll touch on some stuff in between. But really wrapping up some big plot points to the overall saga, really filling in some stuff that leads into episode three, talking a lot about Order 66. We learn a lot about Yoda and the way Yoda talks about things, the way Yoda teaches, the way Yoda then dies in the original trilogy. And it's kind of, I mean, short of the end of season seven, I feel like that Yoda arc is the most significant tie-in to the rest of the saga of all of Clone Wars, probably. Wouldn't you say, like, in a way? I mean, I think both of these arcs are almost like in a tie for it because the whole Order 66 thing is, like, the most essential. You know what I mean? And, and Yeah. I, and the thing with the Yoda arc, for me, I agree with it being essential, but I, I guess we'll get to it when we talk about it. But I, it was actually pretty hit or miss. Hit and miss, sorry, for me. Interesting. The way... The way they did it, that there was like some parts of it that I thought were were just mind blowing, and parts of it that I was like, "What? <laughs> Why? That's what you came up with? You have the opportunity to describe how you become part of the cosmic force, and this is what you're going with? Okay, all right." So it was kind of very hot and cold that last arc, but I agree that it's very essential. But I think they both are to the overall saga. Did you watch that video that Nick sent? Giving a deeper explanation of that arc. Did you watch that? I did not. It's pretty tight. I will watch it. It, uh, it clarified some things for me, and I thought I had a pretty good handle on, on it prior to watching, so it's good. Yeah. I guess, my, again, we'll talk about when we get there. My, it was more just like art direction choices and stuff like that. Gotcha. It was, it was not the concept of what he was doing. It was just like some of the choices that were made with where he was and the characters he was interacting with. I just, some of it was kind of wonky to me, but... <laughs> Overall amazing. It's Yoda. I, 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 like, I'm here for it. All right, let's talk about the essential arcs. Yeah. 
first arc, opening episodes one through four, the unknown, conspiracy, fugitive, and orders. This is all Clone Protocol 66 stuff, fully revealing, pulling back the curtain on this thing. This arc gives us a deep dive into Darth Sidious's master plan to wipe out the Jedi. We learn about the inhibitor chips that are installed in every clone. Turns out, this is interesting to me, turns out that Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas originally ordered those chips to be installed as well. He didn't just order the clones. He wanted those chips in there to safeguard. This was a, a well-intentioned move to safeguard against any treacherous orders given to the clones. And the Camino and Nala... Nala Say? Nala Say. Yep. And is she, is she the one in episode two that's talking about it? Talking about yes. how, how the clones are, you know, they've been modified to not be yep. as aggressive as Jango Fett. The chip is what does that. In, mm. in an interesting, like, deception or what it is, but if you listen to Dooku when he's talking to her and the prime minister, he says that the chips were there to uh, help to, in, in case of rogue Jedi. Yeah. So mm. somewhere along the line, like, that's what the Kaminoans were led to believe, that that's what the chips were for. Yeah. Um, when originally they were made to keep the clones from being able to be given orders like Order 66. Yeah, so the Sith intervened and then fed them that, that bullshit rogue Jedi line. And in updating those chips, they also reprogrammed them and included the Order 66 portion of it, I guess. So since we know what happens when Palpatine executes Order 66, this is a big reveal here. Because it it is like so vague in the movies. You're like, what? Yep. You're just going to have this army now and like you don't, you just said all this stuff, but it's just, this really clarifies the hell out of it. Yeah, it's like the original, uh, somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like Sifo Dias. It's like, who's that? Tell me more about that guy. I know. It's like one line in Attack of the Clones. I, I, I'm going to tell you later in this show. I'm going <laughs> to tell you all about him. All right, so quick synopsis. During a battle against the Separatists, there's a clone named Tup. Have we, we've met Tup before this, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's Five's best friend. Yeah, and he's been in since... He kind of looks like uh, he kind of looks like all the other clones. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> you know, he's a guy with a, the same face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of got know, a New Zealand accent, sort of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, you see, you guys know him. <laughs> he goes into this kind of trance sort of thing and kills a Jedi named Tiplar. So gnarly. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, it's, it's So brutal. gnarly. It's like he shoots her in the face. Yeah. yeah. Not from a distance. Like, she turns around, there is a blaster in her schnoz, and he just pulls the trigger. Yeah. Kids show. It's for kids. It's you. just for kids. Dude, yeah, why would you ever watch it? It's for kids. Um, so the Republic is obviously displeased. He gets arrested. They want to check on him for a possible mental disorder, because he's. this is completely out of the character for clones, right? They find nothing, though. The Separatists, of course, catch wind of the whole thing, and Dooku contacts Sidious, says, hey, man, I think our plan might be unraveling. So they, they try to get on top of it. Tup gets brought back to Kamino by the Republic for examination, and Nala Say, one of the Kaminoans, also, can I say right here, or just raise the question? I say Kaminoans, I always have. What do you guys say? That's what she says. She says the, uh, like, Kaminoan law or something like that. Yeah. But a lot of people in Clone Wars say Kaminoans. I've heard that also. I'm almost positive in the episode, Nala Se says something about their property of the Kaminoan government. Yeah, maybe it's all the non-Kaminoans that pronounce it Kaminoan. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure she says it that way, though. Twi'lek, Twi'lek. Just depends where you're from. Boston, mm -hmm. Florida. You say it different. Florida. Tatooine, Tatooine. Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is Florida two or three syllables? Depends on where you're from. <laughs> In Missouri, we say Florida. F-L-O-R-D-A. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so they brought Tup back to Camino, and now let's say is... She knows what's going on, but she suggests that Tup may have some kind of virus. Ultimately, she thinks she's doing the right thing. She's keeping this very secret thing under wraps because she still believes it was well-intentioned when it was done. So she suggests that because of this virus, Fives may have been exposed as well. He should stay there. So he stays there with Tup. To be examined. To be examined. It turns out it was, it was actually a tumor in Tup's head that prematurely activated the chip. So just... Based on proximity, I guess, it activated it, and that's why he went off. But nonetheless, she just wants to have him terminated. She wants to kind of just bury the evidence. Shakti's like, no, that's not happening. We need further examination. Fives ends up doing some digging on his own, though, and discovers this chip in Tup, which he ends up having a medical droid remove. Tup ends up dying, but in the process, Fives has uncovered this huge conspiracy. So he has the droid who goes by AZI-3, is that right? Mm-hmm check to see if he has an inhibitor chip as well he does has a droid to remove it so fives is the first living clone with a removed chip yeah and you could see the difference why i think it's important that you you know uh top had a tumor and his chip when it was removed and put in that little like slide looked way gnarly like it was darker and blacker it looked like something yeah. was truly wrong with it and then when they took fives out it was totally fine and looked normal mm-hmm Smoker's lung, healthy lung. <laughs> exactly. Jedi lung, Sith lung. <laughs> so here's where the plot really thickens for Fives. The medical droid tells him that every clone gets chipped during development because he's like, how many more have this? And he basically pulls up the database and he's like, all of them. And then they show the trees that the, that the clones are, are grown in, very Matrix style. And there's just this like panning shot of all of the thousands of little baby clones up there and it's just like holy shit every one of them can be controlled so fives he's now he's in it he goes to shack t to tell her not the best move she sends fives and the inhibitor chips back to coruscant to tell the chancellor and we as viewers are like oh god here we go at this point he is more concerned about the health of his brothers you know if like one yeah. of them had a problem he, I don't think he uncovered necessarily like a conspiracy, like the Order 66 conspiracy, but he definitely was more at that point worrying about the fact that somebody died or was ill because of this chip. Yeah, there's something you're hiding from us that could lead to all of us dying terribly like this. Mm -hmm. So they're sent back to Coruscant and they have this private meeting with Palpatine, which, you, you know, as we know, isn't going to go well. How convenient. How convenient. Palpatine ends up framing Fives, saying he attacked him. You know, the door comes open and he's like, he's trying to kill me. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. I'm an old man. Fives then escapes. Now he's on the run. The shit has hit the fan. But now Palpatine has both the defective chip from Tup and Fives, properly functioning chip, in his possession. He's in the power position again. So Fives is on the run. He contacts Kix and Jesse, a couple other clones, and tells them to have Rex and Anakin meet him because he's hoping he can... He can tell a clone and a Jedi who he trusts and try to get to the bottom of this. He's now starting to think because he was framed by Palpatine, or he's aware, rather, 
that this is a genuine conspiracy and it goes all the way to the top. And he's really, he's so paranoid about it. He's looking paranoid and delusional, schizophrenic style, like the, the lizard people are coming to get me. <laughs> like that's what, the, that's what he's looking like at this point to everyone else. So Anakin and Rex meet up with Fives. He tells them everything, but they don't exactly believe him. They're looking pretty skeptical. Like, okay, bud. Okay, well, let's just let's just settle down. Well, let's, let's talk about it. You know, that whole thing. Yeah, there was a moment, there's a moment, and I don't remember exactly which scene it's in where, uh, it's earlier, I think, uh, but where, where Palpatine says something uh, to him like, it's it's pretty unbelievable that it could that there's a separatist plot before the war, like yeah, how yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? How could that be? And the Jedi are like Shakti's like yeah, that actually doesn't track at all, it, you know. So he has that going for him. Like, how can this be a conspiracy with the separatists? They weren't even a thing when when yep. he was made, you know. So this situation is super tense. Where Rex and Anakin and Fives are, are talking because. Rex and Anakin come in and he actually traps them in a, in ray shields, just like the ones we see in, in episode two, because he, he wants to make sure that he can tell them the story, you know, but of course it doesn't look good for him. A bunch of other troopers come in They're They've all got blasters drawn on him. Super tense. Fives is super frustrated that nobody believes him. And commander Fox is telling him to stand down. It's, you know, everybody's raising voices. Fives goes to grab his blasters. Fox shoots him. He hits the ground blaster hole straight through the chest and he ends up dying in Rex's arms telling him with his last breath that the conspiracy is bigger than anyone can imagine. The music in this part too. Yeah, man. So sad and that music is perfect. I think this is a cool spot in Star Wars that goes against the normal like, yeah, well, nothing's going to happen to him anyways. You know what I mean? That whole thing that we talk about sometimes like Fives is dead, man. Dead. And and he was he was to be the first freed clone, you know, the first f- chip free living clone. But he's he died. And it's messed up that another clone killed him. Yeah. Just think mm-hmm. of all the people at that point who wanted him to be terminated. Malice, Palpatine. There's so many other people who wanted him dead, and it actually wound up being another clone. And we've known five since the beginning of this, so it's it is really genuinely emotional. It's brutal, solid ending. Yeah. It all makes sense, you know, if we get into conversation about the whole arc, like the question we all had with Order 66 is how did Palpatine and Revenge of the Sith just say that? And then how did it happen? So this chip, this like, it's all organic too. It's not like a a chip, like you would think, like a computer chip or whatever. Yeah. So when I first watched this, I was just blown away with how well it was written and done. Like this is probably my third time watching the whole arc and it's just really well done. It ends on an emotional note. And it enhances the prequels, which is the whole point of the Clone Wars. For sure. It certainly enhances that moment beyond, yeah. like, it's better than you could ask for it to be. Mm-hmm. It's really one of those arcs that you just wish everyone, you know, like, you don't have to watch the whole show, but watch this. Because yeah. it's yeah. just so key to the whole big picture. There's especially that moment in episode three when Cody gets the order and he just turns around and he's like... Get him, boys. You know, just yep. fi- they fired Obi-Wan on that lizard thing, like, you know, across the canyon. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching like, what? You're just going to turn around and shoot at him? Like, you guys <laughs> were just talking. You're just bros. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It happens so fast. It's like, and, and you know, there's <laughs> somehow Palpatine <laughs> returned. <laughs> That's it. I saw this amazing meme and I feel like I posted it to our stories, but I can't find it. I went searching for it and I can't find it. And it's... um. <laughs> It's like execute order 66. And then the first slide is Rex. And it's like uh, 
super emo, somebody crying like, I can't do it. And then the next slide is Commander Cody. And it's <laughs> it's Danny DeVito from oh, yeah. It's Always Sunny. Like, so anyways, I start blasting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so good. Perfect. So that's the first essential arc. Moving on to the last four episodes, The Lost One, Voices, Destiny, and Sacrifice. This all centers around Yoda, but we do get a lot of crucial stuff about Sifo-Dyas. It's a multifaceted arc, despite it being Yoda-focused. Ryan, you want to talk about the sifo stuff here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just kind of dug up sort of, th- this is, I think, for people who you know, want to get into this and understand where it all started and how the clone army really went, as you said, Nick, like Sifo-Dyas, tell me more about that guy. <laughs> yeah. So Sifo-Dyas was a Jedi master, he's human, and he had the gift of foresight. So he sort of uh, was able to see prior to the invasion of Naboo what was coming and went to the council, said, we need an army. They said no. So he went on his own. And basically commissioned the lied to the Kaminoans saying that he had the support of the council to commission an army. So the Kaminoan cloners began the process because he said he had the authorization of the council. But in doing this, he unknowingly sort of made the Sith aware of the clones being made. And they sort of honed in on, okay, well, how do we take advantage of this? How do we how do we take over this project and use it for ourselves? And obviously we know how this all goes and Sidious frames everyone and and makes it, you know, uses them for himself to execute Order 66 and the rest is history. But around the time of the invasion of Naboo, the Chancellor was, uh, I think he was sort of like a mentor to Sidious when Palpatine was just a a senator from Naboo. He had ordered Sifo-Dyas to meet with the Pike Syndicate to negotiate and stop some kind of violence that the crime syndicates were involved in. And during this the Sith Lord Darth Tyrannus, Count Dooku, um, he hired the Pikes to basically assassinate Sifo-Dyas, uh, making it look like the negotiations went bad, shuttle goes down, Sifo-Dyas dies. Darth Tyrannus is able to take over the cloning operation and move in. And as we talked about earlier, it's Dooku. And, and as he was saying earlier, like, this was for rogue Jedi. You know, they just kind of made the narrative what they wanted it to be with the Kaminoans and everyone else. So Darth Sidious and Tyrannus, they, they're the ones who commissioned Jango Fett. They instructed the Kaminoan cloners to add Order 66 to the clone's behavioral modification biochips. And through reading this, that's how I found out that Sifo-Dyas originally intended these to be a safeguard against the clones getting treacherous orders, basically. like Wiling out. Yeah, giving, giving them basically orders against the Jedi. Probably. Exactly what Order 66 is, is what it was supposed to protect them from. So they didn't even really explain all of that in like a linear way they do though if if you pick it apart throughout this arc they do sort of hit on almost all of that did you guys wait, i'm sure you'll get through in the plot points but when they Sifo-Dyas was traveling with um an a, Valorum's personal aide whose name is Silman yeah. like <laughs> Silman S I L M A N like from the office i don't know <laughs> Silman and they meet him Obi-Wan and Anakin meet him when they go talk to the pikes they're kind of trying to you know chase the trail down to find they're chasing the the, the breadcrumbs of sifo story but i totally got like dobby the elf vibes from silver yeah. you know what i mean he's like oh no totally. i was been captive for so long <laughs> like it was just dobby the elf so that's that's kind of how the whole sifo saga uh went down uh, you know you'll hit it now but plo Kloon finds his ship and his lightsaber and 
just kind of gnarly. And how do you tell that in, in the prequels? I don't know. Yeah. But that is so much information compared to, it was commissioned by Master Sifo-Dyas. Stop. Yeah, like, I remember being like, who the f*** is that guy? Well, well I thought it was like, you, I remember back then you're thinking like, you know, is it Palpatine, a.k.a. Sidious, a.k.a. Sifo-Dyas? Right. Like, is that, that's what I thought when I first saw the prequels back in the day. Or was, was like, it, is that an alias of Dooku as well? Yeah. Or Dooku. Yeah. I thought it was something like that. Definitely did not think it was an actual Jedi master with foresight that saw the war coming and commissioned them and was betrayed and infiltrated by the Sith. Which actually, I should have just said it like that. That was a really fast way to say all <laughs> the shit I just said. <laughs> So there was a, pretty recently, I think maybe 2019, there was a, it was actually an audio drama first, then they actually did a novelization called Jedi Lost or Dooku Jedi Lost. And yeah. it was all about Dooku and Sifo-Dyas being bros back in the day, like Jedi, Padawans and all that type of stuff. So I, I, I found it to be uh, incredibly boring. Sorry, not all Star Wars is great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, because I guess I thought it was boring, I don't know. I don't remember any like kind of like you said the breadcrumbs leading to Sifo-Dyas. I know he had foresight, but I don't remember anything in that book leading kind of towards the events of this. It kind of just concentrated, I think, a little bit more on their their relationship. So that just has me thinking, and maybe the answer's out there. Like I said, it was boring, so I don't really remember. Maybe there's a connection out there that Dooku kind of pushed Sifo-Dyas this way. A little bit, knowing that he was going to turn or something like that. I'm not really sure. Maybe yeah. the answer's out there somewhere. Well, this episode just sort of starts on the moon where his ship was shot yeah. down by the Pikes. There's not a lot of preface to like how they found it or what yeah. they were what they were looking for. I wish I knew because I guess my my point is obviously if Dooku and Sifo-Dyas were bros at the Jedi Temple, and Sifo-Dyas is the one who commissioned the clone army that is under control of separatist count dooku like that's seems like it shouldn't necessarily be like a coincidence you know well they, yeah. they talk about um Sifo-Dyas in the first arc and they talk about yoda talks about basically as i said you know finding the breadcrumbs does doesn't he he speaks on that in the first arc yeah. like maybe a clue we will find or whatever his yodaism is uh -huh. so i guess it's sort of like up for just interpretation you know like that's what they're doing. They've been doing that since he said that, and they finally are hot on the trail when they find the ship. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's I assume what's happening here. But I, I don't know, man. I think, I think the way I read the story is that he didn't know that Dooku was Sith. He didn't, you know, he yeah. was genuinely thought he was like, well, as so much of what we talked about through the covering these these seasons, as we watched the Jedi come apart at the seams, you know that that hubris being exposed. I think he was just like, fine, if you're not going to do it, I'm, I'll do it on my own. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the whole like coming into view of the Sith was due to his relationship with Dooku. Meaning yeah. like he didn't know that Dooku was swinging that, you know, batting for that team. But he, Dooku was able to go, hey, I, this is what this guy's doing. He's, mm -hmm. he's starting a clone army. Let's go get it. You know, um, before he was like fully out in the world as a Sith and a separatist sympathizer. Uh, that That has to be you know, how, in my mind, how it went down. Yeah. There's a great metaphor. I don't know if it's a metaphor or if it's being presented kind of literally in that video. And I'm pretty sure it's taken from one of the novels talking about the reason that the Jedi were so blind to everything is because of the imbalance of the light to dark. So 
the phrase is the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And because there was such a Jedi presence, not just in terms of the power that they held and the, the positions of authority, but in their numbers everywhere in the galaxy. So they thought, and maybe I assume this is kind of where the High Republic is going, the idea that the Jedi thought, well, we just, we need to be everywhere in the galaxy. You know, that like these light side of the force missionaries almost trying to control the force. And in turn, they just cast these darker shadows that these couple two at a time Sith became even more powerful within. So even as Sifo-Dyas's best bro is turning, he has no clue. Same thing with Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, they were, they were cautious of, of Anakin, but there wasn't any indication, in my opinion, of them just being like, he could turn any moment. It's more like, hey, this kid's too wild. He, he has too much power. He doesn't have enough experience. Not like, he could be Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all clueless, including Yoda. And we learn a lot about that in this arc. We'll also put a link to that video in the description because it's a good one. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, I think you were referencing it. There definitely were some cool lines that were in the Revenge of the Sith novelization that really shed some light on a lot of this stuff. That's it. That's the one, the Revenge of the Sith novel. All right, so let's get into the synopsis. Nick? Plo Koon discovers an old lightsaber once owned by sifo who had disappeared uh, way before the events of The Phantom Menace. Actually, not way before. I, I want to say like years. a decade. Yeah, a decade or so. It's 10 years so. prior to like this episode. Yep. Obi-Wan remembers, obviously, sifo name came up when he was on Kamino and Attack of the Clones and learned he was the one who commissioned the clone army. So Kenobi and Anakin head to Felucia, the planet that Diaz was presumed to have died on. They find out that Diaz was meant to negotiate with the Pikes, the Pike Syndicate, you can remember from other Clone Wars episodes and Solo. Dude, I just want to say, if you were doing the test ban on me right now and you said favorite alien species, I wouldn't blink and I'd say the Pikes. Yeah, they're dope. They look so dope. They do. I wish, I wish they were just a little bit more industrial, though. Like mm. a little bit of that ornate prequel-y stuff that's on, like they were... It's like close for me. Like they, mm-hmm. they just yeah. had that kind of metal head yeah. thing yep. with the breathing apparatus, like that. But like the no, kind of little bitty face, the like jewelly, shiny, and the and like the purpley eyes and stuff. It's like that. That's Clone Wars. That's just animation to me. You know what I mean? Like they're dope in Solo, though. For sure. Carry on. Sorry. So DS wound up dying on Felucia before those negotiations even started. The two Jedi question the Pikes, who reveal that a man named Tyrannus is behind all of this conflict and that Tyrannus is actually Count Dooku. Dun, dun, dun. The Jedi Council have now figured out that for an unknown reason to them, Dooku had created this army for the Republic. Blindsided. They're like, what? It's what? just so crazy at this point. You know, they, you start to see it all unravel before them. And I think Yoda says something like, this is the only path. You know, there's nothing to do now but continue down this path that we're so far down. Stay the course, keep it quiet. To look for answers, Yoda meditates, and he hears the voice of our boy, Liam Neeson. Here he is, Qui-Gon. <laughs> it's very cool to hear his voice. So soothing from beyond. When Yoda tells the council about hearing Qui-Gon's voice, they question whether or not this could be the work of a Sith attacking Yoda. So at this point, you know, they know there's some some dark side of the force some disturbances in the force happening so not knowing previous to this that you could learn how to have your consciousness live forever in the cosmic force they're just wondering if this is the work of the sith 
hearing yeah. old voices. Or if Yoda's just lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. But this is like the moment where we find out, you know, until this point, we all thought as kids and everything, a Jedi dies pretty much. They become a force ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize it was like handed down knowledge. No one thought that that was possible until at least in this generation, who knows, 50,000 years before and all the stuff that we'll learn in new Star Wars content. Maybe it was a thing, but as far as the Jedi Council and everything we know to be history is concerned, this is where they learn. Nasons. Yoda undergoes an experimental treatment to get to the bottom of the voices he is hearing, because when he tries to summon Qui-Gon or get there on his own, it doesn't really work. So he undergoes this treatment, and he does actually hear Qui-Gon's voice. Qui-Gon tells him this is not the way, and tells him to head to the Dagobah system for more answers. It's like Flatliners. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. the Kiefer Sutherland movie from the early, late 80s, early 90s. Like they bring him to like the brink of death yeah. <laughs> to speak to another dead person. <laughs> and it works. You know, I try to fit in a F line sesh at least once a week. Two, one, hit him. <laughs> oh, wow. I shit my pants. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> you will go to the Dagobah system. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> Your voice is deeper. You did better. Got a long neck and a big Adam's apple. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, Adam has a big Adam's apple. Wow. Predictable. I'm the funny guy. (laughs) While on Dagobah, Yoda is in contact with Qui-Gon, who tells him to go to a cave. You guys know what cave that is, right? The cave. I do. (laughs) There's only one. It's real important. Only that which you take with you. On the whole planet, one cave. (laughs) So obviously Luke and and Vader have a, a whole thing in that cave. And then in the comics... Snoke brings Kylo or Ben, whoever he is at that point, to that same cave. So that cave's got a lot of history. So in this cave, he finds some answers to all the questions at hand. Yoda sees a vision of everything that's to come. One kind of disturbing one is like Jedi and clones facing off. And then obviously the rule of Darth Sidious. It's the stuff of nightmares, let's be honest. <laughs> and and we're just getting started. Yeah. I'm in yeah. this arc's stuff of nightmares. He fully sees Order 66 happening. Yeah. Yeah. Even when you think back to all the, the Mortis stuff, every vision that Anakin or anybody sees is the truth. Mm-hmm. There's no like, oh, this might happen or whatever. It's like to them, maybe they think that there's free will or better choices and they could avoid this stuff. But on our end, we're seeing everything that actually does happen. Or it's just so extreme to them and so seemingly unlikely that they're like, oh, this couldn't happen. Yeah. Something could go bad. Clearly something could go badly. So we should do better. But there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> Free will is not a thing in Star Wars. Destiny is, you know? Yep. Just, totally. It's kind of how the story's told. So after seeing these visions, Qui-Gon assures Yoda that every day the war goes on, the Sith grow stronger. And that kind of leads to what you said before, the, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. He instructs Yoda to head to the origins of all life in the galaxy where he will be trained to maintain his spirit after death, just like Qui-Gon. Upon Yoda's arrival to this unnamed planet, Yoda is greeted by five priestesses. Priestess? Priestesses. Priestesses. <laughs> Yoda is greeted by Jason Priestley. <laughs> <laughs> With sideburns. <laughs> Each priestess represents an emotion. They say they've been waiting for Yoda for a while. They let Yoda train, citing that he will train someone of great importance in the future. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker. Brandon from 90210. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of 30-year-olds still in high school. <laughs> <laughs> 15-year-old Luke Perry. <laughs> R.I.P. 
So in a very uh, almost like Gollum version of Yoda, one of Yoda's trials is a conflict with the dark side version of himself. And he really is. Yeah, it really is creepy and definitely Gollum influenced. Yeah, like if I was eight years old watching that, nightmares, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, the sleep paralysis that I now get at 41 years old was caused by that. And I didn't even know that because I'd never seen it. That's how (laughs) scary it is. I think there's there's a lot to be said here. The more he fights with Dark Side Yoda, the more it wins, the stronger it gets. Super cool. So yeah. I think that this this has something to do with, you know, to use the word hubris because they use it in this season and then obviously in Last Jedi Luke uses it a bunch. The council and Jedi at this point are just so blind to so many things that they've been led to the brink of collapse and here we are. We're we're really at the you know, the precipice of them losing it all. So I think that, that that to me, the more that Jedi deny the dark side or deny their emotions, they're just helping the Sith grow stronger. So I think with Yoda's trials here, he's learning how to really become what people like Ahsoka and Luke become to advance the Jedi. Yeah. Like Yoda is learning at this point, 800 years later, he's learning how it's to so balance everything. Sick. It's so cool. He's He's just letting go of like, you must unlearn that which you have learned. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's, we're watching him do that, which he will later teach Luke. Because he came into it responding to the priestesses like, no, I'm a seasoned Jedi. Like, yeah. I, I know everything there is to know about myself. I, I've, I'm past all that. Everything they say to him, he responds with all, all this, all this no, no I or you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. other Yodaism you want to use. But <laughs> he responds to every single one saying, yeah, got it. Next. Challenge me here. And then he's challenged. His next challenge or trial is actually a a trial of temptation. And he's presented with two scenarios, one in which I guess he's meant to choose uh, one or the other maybe. And one of them is following just the path of the Jedi that they're on currently. And it leads to death and he sees Ahsoka dying. And you you get a sense that Yoda at that point when Ahsoka is dying in this vision, that showed up because he regrets how the council dealt with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So heartbreaking, too, when she's she's asking him, will I still become one with the Force? Yeah. yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> she's like, why did you do this to me? So mm-hmm. sick. She just is, be- like, so frail and scared. She's terrified. She's about to die. Will will I still become one with the Force because you kicked me out of the council? Yeah. Dude. She's got that Catholic guilt. Brutal. Chills. Hey, is that the only time Ahsoka's in the season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the thing that really hit me in this was Yoda being actually visibly sad oh, and he's like affected, crying. You know? Yeah. Like, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Look, you know, I failed all of them. He, he doesn't have it all, like he claimed at the beginning of it. It's all working. Like the trials are really, really testing him. Yeah. This this next trial actually is really kind of one that. If you want to talk about temptation. Mm-hmm. So Katuni uh, is a Jedi youngling who shows him kind of in a very, uh, a, a way to emote this temptation feeling from Yoda. Yeah, like, come with me. He sees a vision of the Clone Wars never happening. You know, Dooku is still on the Jedi Council and... Qui-Gon's alive. There's just peace. It almost feels like what I assume the the High Republic feels like, you know? Like, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong. Just, it's really strange. I feel like there's no music in that that scene either. It's dreamy, for sure. Doesn't it yeah. look like it's like the cocktail hour between the wedding and the actual reception? They're all out there yeah. in the courtyard of, of the Jedi Temple? Yeah, it's like a common area college. <laughs> there's there's going to be a f- disc golf game yeah. going on. Very peaceful moment. 
It's got an eerie, like, this is too nice, Mm -hmm. this can't be real, Star Trek, the original series vibe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, people should be, like, putting grapes in the mouths of of the Jedi, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very Roman in the courtyard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Telling stories of old. So Yoda knows that, obviously, he's being challenged right now, so he doesn't decide between any of these challenges, these temptation challenges, and... He moves on to his final tests on the planet of Moraband, which is an ancient Sith homeworld. He enters a Sith temple there and sees a vision of Darth Bane, the first ever canon appearance of Darth Bane. Yep. Very sick. Pretty gnarly. The uh, Sith Lord who started the rule of two. He explains that, which I think has probably never in canon either, like to that point, been explained that way, that he created the rule of two because the Sith were destroying each other yep. out of their greed. So this was a way for only to only pass the knowledge to one person and just very well written and nice, yeah. nice way to just kind of like put that in there. You know, like here's some more, here's a better job than somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> Yoda realizes this is just an illusion and in another temple, Yoda's moving around a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> He sees a vision of Sifo-Dyas who asked Yoda to give in to the surrounding temptations. But again, Yoda, way too smart, knows he's being challenged right now and is really eye on the prize. I want I want life after death, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get me. It's an illusion. So I think, you know, like kind of what Ryan was saying earlier, I think that there's a lot of cool stuff in this this arc and the, the final two episodes, but it does get a little convoluted. Like we're talking about multiple temples, multiple yep. visions, multiple That's challenges. Exactly. So it gets a little tricky here and there. So in, in Yoda's last vision, he's made to battle Sidious. And during the battle, he's presented with another choice. Oh, by the way, Anakin's there. <laughs> Anakin... <laughs> Is, uh, I guess... Sidious and Palpatine and Dooku say, we will approach him with a familiar face. We will bring someone with us that will make him... Basically, we'll be able to test him and make him fail because he will bring someone he trusts, someone he cares about. Yeah, they're they're doing some Night Sisters style, which is over the cauldron stuff to contact him. Yes, he, they, remember they, they he Sidious takes a drop of Dooku's blood, speaks Sith spells to connect him with Yoda because of Yoda and Dooku's prior Jedi Master Padawan connection. Yeah, so he yeah. basically says, we're going to exploit that connection. I need a drop of your blood. I'll speak this Sith spell. I'll connect you with him so we know where he is. We can get inside his head, and I can Sith spell Juju Anakin also <laughs> yeah. and make him think all of this is real. So, yeah, when, when you get to the end of this, obviously, like, it all gets ripped away, and he's like, we can't, we didn't win. Yeah, we lost. We forgot to save our game. We're screwed. Yeah, during that battle, I feel like there was a very uh, Skywalker-esque choice made by Yoda because he's fighting Palpatine while Anakin is about to fall to his death. And that's where the choice is. He's like holding Anakin up from falling with the force. Yeah. And and warding off force lightning mm-hmm. with his lightsaber in the other hand. And the so Jedi, sick. well, super powerful dude, 800-something-year-old little green guy. But that's where, you know, the Jedi move would to be let Anakin die and, and capture Sidious or kill Sidious. But what Yoda does is the Skywalker thing, the more Skywalker decision, save Anakin and kind of let Sidious get away. He almost, like, gives up, he, like, almost sacrifices his own life, doesn't he? I think so. I mean, he's taken force lightning like crazy. So yeah. And Sidious is, like, cutting down the cat the catwalk, mm-hmm. you know, or the bridge that he's standing on. And, and he's, I mean, he's really, 
it's really testing them. But there's this certain thing to it, though, right, that it's not real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Yoda is, is fighting in this vision as if it is real, but it, it's there. He's using this spell to to create all of this, to make mm-hmm. all of this happen. Yeah, it's almost like these priestesses are showing Yoda, the head of the council, how off track the Jedi are at this point, and they're forcing him yeah. to make better decisions. And, and he does, he learns. I had the thought where like after watching this arc, I think I watched it twice in, in preparation for this, but it's almost this like Doctor Strange in Infinity War. There's mm-hmm. only one path, you know? Yeah. And Yoda knows right now the Clone Wars can't be won, but there's one scenario that the Jedi win, and that's learning how to become a Force spirit and eventually training Luke. And that is like a... Yeah, it is it, so it's much like, a like that. Do- Doctor Strange, Tony Stark thing. For sure. Whoa, that's dope. Another point about Yoda deciding to sacrifice himself, essentially, it's an example of what they should have been doing, what they lost sight of all along the way, getting involved in this war. They've lost their selflessness. Mm -hmm. They're so caught up in like the mechanics of and the politics of the war. They're not making selfless choices, the kind that make them the Jedi that they thought they've been the whole time. Mm -hmm. They've lost their way in that sense. Little demon Yoda in that first test says to him something along the lines of you're living in the decadence of war. I think Mm -hmm. that's the line. Really straight up saying like you have lost your way, son. I mean, what more than when they find out that, you know, the whole Dooku, Sifo-Dyas making the clone army, they just cover it up. Yeah. You know, they're like, we can't, we will lose all faith in from the citizens if we don't cover it up. And it's just like, that's the most political thing ever. It's just yes. so not the Jedi way. This whole thing ends, though, with Yoda, you know, he learns the lessons, right? He comes back. And doesn't tell anyone anything. Mace Windu, right? It's Mace and, and Obi-Wan are like, so mm-hmm. what did you learn on your trip? And he's like, not much really. Not much to talk about. Nothing. Trip sucked. <laughs> but he does say we can't win the war. Yeah. He, he tells yeah. them the war is lost, but one path there may be. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say what the path is, but that basically says there's one path that we could hope to win. And he says not the war, but for all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's big. Pan series over, you think, at that point. Yep. And that was supposed to be the series yep. finale, so pretty epic. Here's a thing that I didn't fully understand, and I'm, I am i don't know if it was... Well, I know it was a vision of him saying these words later in uh, Empire when he says, there is another Skywalker. Like, he sees his own death, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. When he's, or sorry, not Empire, in uh, Return of the Jedi, when he, he tells Luke there is another Skywalker, and he's... he's taking his last breaths. Is he learning in that moment that they're going to be Skywalker children, that some undisclosed person is pregnant with Anakin's children? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he does, he, he does say the words another, I think, in that moment. Yeah, it, it's his exact quote, yeah. Yeah, the priestess says it, and then I think you hear, like, the actual line from but, So he's hearing his last line or his last word spoken before he dies. For sure. Well, Yoda has some foresight right? Some of this gift of foresight that mm-hmm. is canonized, right? That we, we've discussed in, uh, on this episode that Sifo-Dyas clearly had its, a strong sense of foresight, whereas Yoda, difficult to see, always in motion, the future is, right? He, he Maybe it's not as clear for him. It's not as strong of a power for him. So even if he doesn't know that, I think, Adam, right now, he definitely has the sense that he, he knows that he has a purpose to train, 
and he knows that he had to learn this skill to fulfill that destiny. Yeah. So when he does find out in episode three, find out this lineage, I'm sure at that point he has a sense of this is my destiny. Oh, that's what I was talking about when I heard myself in the future. And I have to go like complete my own training in isolation and get away from all of this and get back to the roots that, you know, made me this powerful force wielder in the first place to be ready when he comes of age or they come of age, you know? This all makes sense to us now, I think, but there's some things (laughs) that don't. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Ryan, give us the gripes. I I have, I'll just get mine out that I was talking about when we first started uh, recording. I think, and Nick, you, you talked about it getting a little convoluted at the end. I think in that final arc, and especially in Yoda's tests, there are less moments that work for me really well than ones that don't. There are, there are more that don't. But the ones that do are so perfectly classic, amazing, almost original trilogy Star Wars that, again, it, it's fine. The others are fine, right? So Those moments raise all boats. So the two that really stand out to me as being absolute gold, perfectly executed, are the battle with Sidious holding Anakin in the air with one hand and yeah. warding off force lightning from the Emperor with the other— amazing and very real feeling you know it felt like a we know it's a vision but we've had visions in star wars and they feel very grounded in reality and like they're actually there i loved that and then the test of all the padawans dying or living in paradise in the roman gardens being fed grapes from the padawans space whatever you're right (laughs) um (laughs) um uh, that one also felt very just grounded in reality and, and very well thought out so for me personally, I just, and you guys chime in, I mean, it's not even like I need a qualifier to like, well, this is why they did it that way. I just, again, I thought it was just sort of the art direction and the choices, like the priestesses. I, I just thought like, could have been something else. It just could have been one sort of more singular thing like that, that yeah. was like the path to how you connect with the force. And and I think that ties into the whole thing with the mushroom jumping Mario Kart thing and and the the demon yoda like i think a version of the demon yoda thing could have been cool cool and and in in concept i really like that him fighting his dark side i like that but then you're just like steamrolling into all this different stuff that like was was sort of centered around these like five emotion priestesses i i just think like remember how amazing mortis was this was like could have been that Mm -hmm. and it and it wasn't to me because i think they just, for whatever reason, the choice for the whole priestess thing being the the way we learn about the origin of midichlorian seems like a bit of a drop ball to me. That's just my thought. But that said, take away from that the the battle against Sidious and the the vision of the dead Padawan. I mean, that is amazing. So it's not like I'm have a gripe with the overall experience. Like I love the concept of Yoda training and learning and all that. It's great. I just thought some of it was 
actually, oddly, the most cartoonish stuff they've done as the show mm-hmm. progressed to being like less and less cartoonish. And it was like the very end. Yeah, it's almost like Yoda, that what you were just saying, like him jumping on those, were they mushrooms or rocks? I don't, re- I don't remember yeah, what they were. They're like floating mushroom yeah, pads. It's or, almost like that <laughs> should have been in season one. Yeah, exactly. That, that visual, you know. So that's a personal sort of just gripe of mine that's not really on the list. Well, I think, I think two things. I think one, because these are lost missions, these were leftover unfinished episodes from prior seasons. Mm-hmm. At the time they were written, they were in context with a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't ever meant to stand alone as a season. That being said, I never had those feelings of thinking, oh, this doesn't look like Star Wars that much to me. I think because I've rewatched enough now of The Clone Wars, watched all of Rebels, I've seen enough of Mortis and um, planets that look more Star Trek maybe mm-hmm. than Star Wars, that I, I'm starting to get comfortable, even the the Night Sisters, even just that very concept of witches and stuff, I, I'm now more comfortable with things that diverge or at least expand from our original conception of what Star Wars is and isn't that I'm, I'm now just comfortable with, with it all. Like, oh, these are different ways to tell Star Wars stories. So it didn't hit me as weird this time. I think it would be a little bit easier to swallow because we all like the Night Sisters and how they look. So that was like a, that was executed well. I think with the priestesses, they look like the scream mask with like yeah. this yeah, one's the sad one so it's I'm got saying. a frowny face this one's got like a smirk it was kind of just like oh right. and like the 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 like the the whole uh, combining the adam with I, I hear what you're saying but it's like it was just in this particular case for me it was almost just like too much of what you're saying it was like like nick said it's like that's i didn't think of that nick but that's a great analogy <laughs> like it's like the scream masks but it also was in this like ed harris abyss room yeah right so it was like it was just so much like floating halloween costumes in a like weird little light up room and if you think about how let's just put yoda in like a cave and test him that worked that was fine and like that was the best part of it so i just feel like they could have streamlined it not just for appearance and not just for like art direction as i said but to nick's point of it being a little bit convoluted and like hard to follow it could have just been but that also might go to your point adam of like it wasn't supposed to be its own thing, and maybe it was a little more slapped together than we think. I mean, I I don't know, but you yeah, know, who knows what the budget was compared to yeah. real air quote season. So, all right, well, moving on. This is a good one. This is a good question, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. If Yoda had to go through all of these trials to become a Force spirit after death, and it was like Qui Gon saying, "You have to do this training to do this. It's required, or else you're not going to know how to do the Force ghost thing." How did Anakin, Leia, Obi Wan, on and on and on? learn it so fast my 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 head canon for sure just has to do specifically because this is a dagobah thing and we've talked previously about dagobah having like a time dilation thing we don't know how long this four episode arc really took mm-hmm. so that's the only thing like i i thought of this question i'm like wait a minute you know like obi-wan literally tells luke to run three seconds after <laughs> he turns to close on the ground you know so it's to me, I'm I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense compared to what we just watched Yoda go through. But mm-hmm. hey, maybe those three seconds, Obi Wan darted off to Dagobah, did his trial, <laughs> and came back. And because time is different on Dagobah, it worked. But that they way. had to, you know, if this is the way you learn it, mm-hmm. and it's not handed down through just here's how you do it. Yeah, boom, then you can do it. They also would have had to travel to this unnamed 
planet that it, you know the source of all midichlorian yeah. in the galaxy like that's part of the training when when did that happen oh wait you know, yeah no a, i'm thinking about it backwards obi-wan had to do right. that while he was alive yeah 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 it's it's just a bold it's a bold move to throw this into like this is how it's done already knowing that all these other characters can already do it uh-huh. you know well let, let's think about it like this qui-gon who was already dead and a force ghost and just trying to figure shit out was like hey you have to go to this place to learn yeah i can't teach you in person you have to go right it, it's almost like qui-gon was still learning as well because he wasn't able to materialize himself as, as a vision he was just a voice yeah. So he almost needed Yoda to go learn about it as a living being to really develop this, right? Uh-huh. So who's to say that Yoda learning that didn't just inform him enough to teach Obi-Wan in the meantime in the 19 years between this and A New Hope? Yeah. And who's to say that Luke learning on Dagobah with, with Yoda wasn't enough to also do that? Because it's really, it's about Yoda actually for real facing his fears and challenging himself. And and the rest of them all do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not to say that you need to do that on that planet or in those places. You just have to do those things. And the only, the outlier here for me was Anakin. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah. But the fact that he turned back from the dark side kind of does it. It's like that's him facing down his little golem in, yeah. in, on, yeah. the, on the island. <laughs> Again, she called it an island. I was just, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with that. I, I think... I think the knowledge getting, ha- I, I was going to say it, my answer would be that it's just as the knowledge gets handed down, the practice becomes more innate. It becomes more natural uh, for for the students to be to be able to, to do. Yeah. Um, and all of the characters, you know, like we don't know yet, but we we have kind of been told that we're going to see a, a, you know, rematch Obi-Wan Darth Vader in mm-hmm. the Obi-Wan series. Like that's certainly a, an opportunity to see Obi-Wan facing his greatest fear knowing who's yeah. inside the suit that he has to fight him again and that he didn't that he survived it and he's going to have to go through yeah. this again and potentially kill Anakin a second time you know yeah. um so i think they all do go through those trials you know i think you could say leia's fear is, is that she beat combated was turning away from being a jedi right yeah you know like that that was her great test that she completed was to say i know i have all this power and may even be more powerful than than luke uh, from what we now know, and and laid down her saber. So I think they all went through these tests for sure. Mm-hmm. In, in their own ways, yeah. And to your point about refining the sort of the craft, the, the lessons, and, and handing it down, this is going to sound like a really stupid analogy, but it's like, you know, how long did it take the first person to do a kickflip <laughs> yeah. or a 900? Mm-hmm. And then how long did it take the next person to do it? And then how long did it take before, you know, my band shows up in Orange County as 22 year olds and we're like, why can every single nine year old do like a kickflip <laughs> into like a board slide on a rail that's as high as their shoulders? This is cause everyone's yeah. doing it. The bar is raised. It's like, well, this is what you know how to do. If you know how to skateboard, this is what you know how to do. If you're a Jedi, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like breaking that barrier, there's, there's a term for that. And somebody did a really, a much more eloquent Ted talk about this than I just stumbled through. But, I think about that a lot in like just a societal sense, like that's progress is, yeah. a, is a better, is the way I wrap my head around it. And that's why I, I always think about that when I hear like old grumpy people just being like, well, I had to do this when I was a kid. I'm like, well, you had to do that when you're a kid and hopefully you're not an idiot and you told other people so they didn't have to struggle the same way. Like what's the point, right. you know, like obviously there's good 
parts. There's good lessons to be learned in life, but why would you want someone to be like, well, I had to wear newspapers instead of shoes when I walked three miles to to school every day. It's like, well, cool. We invented sneakers now and they're cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, what didn't you do because you had to deal with that bullshit? Why not? get past that and f- figure out what you can learn yeah. when you have shoes instead of <laughs> well it's like the concept <laughs> of wanting other people to suffer because you suffered yeah that's right that's a dumb that's not hell. a good outlook yeah um all right i already sort of know your take on this gentlemen but uh let's share it with the people r2 went to dagobah with yoda here pre luke and r2 going to dagobah why doesn't he inform luke that he had previously been on dagobah and that he knew yoda in the Empire Strikes Back, along with part B of this, everything. <laughs> like, that falls in the category of why didn't R2 fill in the blank to Luke yeah. or Leia yeah. or Han or Chewie or anyone in any situation <laughs> in any of the films. He is just everyone's accepted plot hole filler. <laughs> the way I rationalize it is, one, either it's plain and simple he was given orders by Yoda and Obi-Wan, like, don't spill the beans. That's there's it. a plan. That's what it is. But then there's also the fact that he could be, I mean, he's a droid. Droids are sentient. They're sapient beings, many of them, you know, as we know from L3's lessons that I feel like more people should pay attention to. He's a wise little droid. His memory's never been erased. He's been through all of this. He may know as well as anyone what needs to happen. And thinking about, I was thinking about this earlier, how funny it is that when they go to Dagobah and Luke says, no, we're not going, we're not meeting up with the others. We're, we're going somewhere else. And he's like, oh, we're going to the Dagobah system. And Archie's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Like, you know, he's thinking like, I guess it's happening now. Yeah. Dude, this just popped in my head. The whole conversation between R2 and R5 on the Jawas uh, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Land, what's it called? The sand crawler. The uh, sand crawler. The Jawa swap meet. Yeah. <laughs> he tells him that he has to be purchased by this person. Yeah. He knows the plan, and that that's been made canon. That he knows what's going on. So there is the concept that if he just tell, like, Jawas are telling me, hey, by the way, you know the the dude that you've probably heard stories about in the big black helmet, scary guy, red lightsaber. <laughs> that's your dad. And he has been in on this the whole time, and his uh, Jedi Master lives here on Tatooine. It's crazy, right? <laughs> he can't do that because yeah. he knows what has to happen. He knows that yep. Luke has to face Vader. And now that that's been accepted, is like he's ha- he had that conversation with R five saying like, "Bro, you got to let me get this one because otherwise the entire galaxy, you know, life as we know it, will collapse into darkness." Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart little droid. Dude, you know what's really, really funny to think about? He knows all that stuff, right? And he goes to Dagobah. He may not know that Yoda's testing Luke by acting like a goofball and being an idiot. I wonder if he's like, what are you doing, man? What's wrong with you? Yeah, like he really, he thinks he's like gone crazy in isolation. (laughs) Like legitimately hitting him with his stick. Exactly. Like when he tries to take back the thing, he's like, mine, mine, mine. Yeah. You know, he's just thinking like, what's wrong with you, man? Remember the plan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For sure. So Doctor Strange and Tony Stark are to the Avengers what Yoda and R2 are to Star Wars. Yeah. In this scenario. It's like Yoda and R2 just straight up were like, this is the plan. It's going to take like 20 years, but we got it. <laughs> and there's only one way to do it. So <laughs> yeah. don't screw yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk up to you and hit you with a stick. Don't 
make a face. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it. Just go with it. All right, moving on. Over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. Run! Oh gosh! It's a Kalikori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. It's pretty bare for these uh, 13 episodes. There was not much as far as Easter eggs and all that type of stuff. I feel like they're just so hyper-focused on the, on the exact meat and potatoes of the story, you know? Some cool stuff, though. In episode one of this season, the characters Tipley and Tiplar, the twin Jedi masters, their design were derived from uh, concept artwork for a female Sith that was cut from the story of episode two, Attack of the Clones. I would have liked to have seen that female Sith. Yeah, absolutely. That's tight. I like that. I don't remember seeing this clone commander, so I just read this on the internet, so you know it's true. But there's a clone <laughs> commander named Doom, and his design just looked like straight up like the Marvel character the the Marvel villain, Dr. Doom. He's all green. Like, kind of silver and green. Yeah. So, Adam, you uh, mentioned at the top of the show, J.W. Rinsler, he's credited as the writer for episodes eight and nine, I believe, The Disappeared Part One and Two. Uh, he had an interesting quote because he's credited as the writer, but he said, George Lucas told me my job was to rehabilitate Jar Jar, and he had an idea. So he came up with this idea of a love interest for Jar Jar named Julia. Queen Julia. And that's about the only idea that stuck out of his two scripts was Jar Jar had a love interest named Julia. So he wrote two episodes, and by the time they aired, all of his ideas were gone. Yeah, he says, quote, there was very little left by the time they got broadcast in season six. That's a, them's fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> it's like lining up the whole family like i'm gonna rent a theater i wrote some star wars episodes yeah <laughs> that was probably pretty challenging to watch for him <laughs> he seems like a writer that's done enough stuff that he's like well i guess that didn't make it yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like i tell this story about like not getting your hopes up in the music business to people all the time and, and i'm i'm pretty good at it now as far as like i, I don't and until until it's released and it's it's actually happened it's just not real until that point. Yeah. And like this, I'd say, talk, tell the story about how Yellow Card had uh, like all these executives from NBC come into the studio, like hang with the band day because they were really excited about a song we had for uh, the season two promotion for the show Heroes on NBC. So we thought, this is it. This is the golden ticket revival. We're back <laughs> on this kind of recovery album we were working on anyways. And they just like, yeah, this is going to be the thing, man. And be like, you're going to write two episodes of a Star Wars show. And one line's going to be in it. Because when the commercial finally came out, there was a scene from one of the episodes with some of the characters in a bar. And the song was on in the background under everyone talking <laughs> and drinking. And they pitched it up. So I sounded like a chipmunk. <laughs> oh, my like, God. What, what was the point of that? Wow. Pitching it up. But either way, like not recognizable whatsoever. And we were very much told and billed as like, this is going to be the promo for the show for season two, <laughs> you know? So that's, I imagine how Mr. Rensler was feeling. What a bummer. And like, that's your, that's the only idea that was good. It's like <laughs> Jar, Jar Jar has a girlfriend named Julia. It's like, that's the best idea you had. <laughs> that's the only thing we're keeping, dude. Well, I mean, you know how George sometimes just latches on to a thing, yeah. i.e. battle droids. Well, here's here's an example. Shock T's death, where she's impaled through her heart from behind by a blue lightsaber, as witnessed by Yoda in his vision while he was on Dagobah. 
It mirrors a deleted scene from Star Wars Revenge of the Sith in which she's executed by Vader in the same exact way. So that would have been cool to see. You know, Shakti was in the prequels, like to mm-hmm. to see her and some of these other Clone Wars era Jedi actually be killed. Be heavy. I like that you just called him Vader. <laughs> I, li- I like I like the understanding we have that at that point, oh, yeah. he's Vader. There's a solid, you know... What twenty ish, twenty five minutes? Where yeah. you're looking at you're looking at Anakin, but that's Vader, baby. Yeah, yeah, helmetless arms and legs intact. Yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned uh, Darth Bane earlier, and that was the first uh, canonical appearance by Darth Bane. George Lucas created Bane when writing the backstory for the Phantom Menace, and to top off all of this Darth Bane awesomeness, he was voiced by none other than Mark Hamill. Sweet. Did he go, I created the rule of two. (laughs) This was the first time Bane was ever seen on screen, but he was canon in something else, right? Or mentioned in something else prior to this? Or it was a video game or or a novelization or something? Some kind of crap? I don't know. Or just this is straight up his first canon appearance, period. I I don't. I I do not know. First time on screen for a fact. We Mm -hmm. know that. He's first mentioned in the novelization of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Novelization? Oh, word. So that was his first canon, canonized mention. Or would that be canon? That's pre-acquisition. Ugh, you yeah, know? I don't know. So it may not be. It's murky now. Yeah. Hard to say. Fans decide. Always in motion, Disney is. <laughs> I guess we'll, I mean, should we get George Lucas or Filoni on the show to figure it out? I've got them both lined up, so <laughs> we'll ask either, them when they get here. way. All right, last one, last gem, Nick. Tell us. The last gem, kind of like the first time the Clone Wars ended at the end of season five in the episode The Wrong Jedi, this final episode fades to black at the end instead of using that whole, you know, iris out wipe. Mm-hmm. And no big fanfare either. Yeah, it just, it kind of just like goes up on that tree that's in the, in the temple courtyard and like stops on a flower and that's the end. It's really cool. Yeah. And does Ahsoka's theme again. Yeah. yeah. So cool. All right, let's move on. I love you. I know. Favorites. Favorite stuff. My favorite episode is the finale, Sacrifice. The Sidious Yoda Anakin fight is one of the coolest things in all of the Clone Wars for me, I think. Any any time that we've gotten to see Yoda do his thing, it's just, I mean, it's definitely one of the one of the things I really enjoy about the prequels was getting, was, you know, seeing that green lightsaber light up. I mean, it's epic. I mean, the whole theater stood up and cheered, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. I remember it like yesterday. So that fight is just, it's so amazing. And it's like so many of the ones we've talked about how they just think about season one to season six, like what those lightsaber fights look like, you know, looked like, and with the force lightning and everything, it's just, it was wild. It was so good. And I loved him. I loved Sidious, like cutting the, you know, the legs of the, the catwalk and the bridge away from underneath mm-hmm. them and stuff. And yeah, Yoda just fully forcing out. It was just, it was awesome. So that that's my favorite episode for sure. My favorite uh, cookie, as we call them, is also from episode 13, Sacrifice. Facing all that you fear will free you from yourself. Nice. Nick. Nick, how about you? Yeah, it's really hard to not pick that finale, but... Uh... You can pick That's, it. I mean, I like when we agree. Yeah, no, I'm going with that. I love that. That's a great episode. My favorite cookie, though, I'm going to go with the wise benefit from a second opinion. 
I like that. Yeah. I, I never feel like as confident as I'll be with, uh, I guess the word opinion here, the word I'm going after, but like, I would never want whatever I say, my first like thought to be like the one that I go with. I always want to bounce things off of people. So that makes me very wise and humble at the same time. You are wise. <laughs> Nick the wise, Nick the wise, they call him. That's what they call him in the Shire. Um, my favorite episode is tentatively for the next like 90 seconds, a tie between episode four orders when fives dies and the finale sacrifice last time, this time last year, whenever it was that I finished the clone wars, I don't know that I would have picked a clone episode as my favorite out of this, but I've really come to be very, very invested in the clones. And upon second viewing, Fives dying in Rex's arms was heavy as hell. Yeah, like Nick said, the music there was so yeah. so gnarly. But all the Yoda stuff is so profound yep. when it comes to the overall Star Wars Skywalker saga, the, you know, the big picture. Yeah, that wasn't just like a, a plot hole to be fixed for the Clone Wars. Like, that was for all of the saga. Like mm-hmm. Yoda going yeah. through all that and learning how to become a force spirit big time stuff for that so for it's it's significance can i give can i cheat and give like two answers two conditional answers like if we're talking about i'm not going to let you answer whether or not i can i'm just going to do it um i mean it, it's your show i'm just hosting on it for for the the significance of the content in terms of what it means for the bigger picture the finale would be the favorite but in terms of the experience as as a viewer, the emotional experience. It's Clone Wars. Clone Wars experience. The show. Clone Wars. Ex- yeah. Like within within the show as it lives on its own. Yeah, it would be it would be Episode Four, Fives dying because Fives. I have a fucking, I, have, I have a base named Fives. He's my boy. He's my dude. You know, like I've come to really love the clones. So um, that might be my favorite. Ugh, I don't know. It's a dual favorite. I'm cheating. Someone's got to pick it. I almost wanted to let you go first to see what you said, so then I would pick the other one. But yeah, it's either yeah. four or thirteen. All right. Well, I'm a big cheater. I pick both, and I almost want to pick two quotes, but I'm going to pick one. My first inclination was the truth about yourself is always the hardest to accept because that is some real shit right there. Mm-hmm. That's 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 about as real as you get when it comes to human beings. That's from episode one, the unknown. But I think. Episode four orders, so this might align well, the popular belief isn't always the correct one is going to be my favorite. That's a good one. You you mean the Grammys? (laughs) (laughs) Because so much of the way we act as the the social animals that we are as humans is just doing what has been that way our whole lives or what's been that way, you know, for as long as we can remember. Or if people start kind of gathering around one, quote, truth— we just say, well, I mean, everybody else thinks this is right. This must be the right thing. But we have to be skeptical. We have to be critical. And critical thinking really pushes back against this a tendency and leads us ultimately to a better place. So not just popularity, critical thinking, and ultimately science, kids, should inform your beliefs. You know what? Actually, I don't even like the word belief. I think critical thinking and I'll say science and the scientific method should inform whether or not you are convinced of something. So those are my favorites. But what did the patrons think? 
We, of course, polled them to find out, as we've done many times before. The winner of favorite episode is not one, but three. There's a three-way tie for first. That's a first for us, right, for this polling? Oh, definitely. It is split between episode three, The Fugitive, episode 12, Destiny, and episode 13, Sacrifice. 20% for each of those. Interesting that no one picked four at all. Yeah. yeah. Like in top That's weird. two even. And then f- technically fourth place after those would be episode 10, The Lost One, with 16% of the vote. That is a great one. Favorite title cookie, first place with 38% of the vote. Crushed. Is episode eight, Without Darkness, There Cannot Be Light. The old yin-yang. Second place is episode one. Truth About Yourself is always the hardest to accept with 21%. Good pick, folks. Diverse this week. So overall, like we said before, an often underrated or underappreciated season, season six here. But there's amazing, profound, and important information in this season. And you should not listen to what the Nerdist List says. You should listen to us and you should watch these full arcs if you want the full experience. Yeah, we could actually, you know, once we get through season seven, actually make a list and a graphic. We'll just publish our own list. Yeah. Have people pass that around. On the internet. I have a I have a, a question for you. Do you think that because this season debuted on Netflix and was bingeable, that it became kind of not disposable, but just not as uh, important to people? You know, like you said, it was underrated, right? Right. Is it underrated because of the way people viewed it, maybe? I think that's likely. I think binging brings down the hype for sure. Yeah. 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 A whole season of a show that takes who knows how long to write and shoot and post-produce is just a blip in the content feed. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. I, I kind of think that this like probably going on a decade long experiment of how we all view stuff. I don't even think it's because we grew up with like weekly. I just think it's better to watch it, think about it. Mm-hmm. wait for the next thing like have excitement instead of it being like all right well the credits are rolling on episode five and episode six starts yeah. right away it's like it's I don't... not really a cliffhanger if you can just press play on the answer right away yeah. yeah it's like a weird societal thing like i just i mean i know i'm getting older and i haven't spoken to anybody in a year besides you guys <laughs> <laughs> I feel like straight up like i'm definitely getting dumber because of it you know like my age multiplied by a year of pandemic is making me dumber for sure (laughs) i cannot forget words like i'll start sentences and there will be like eternal sunshine like a middle thought missing i'm like i started this sentence with a thought and the whole middle is gone (laughs) somehow nick comes out the other side vaccinated and 54 years old (laughs) yeah (laughs) well ryan hopefully you can um brighten nick's outlook with this quote of the week yeah yeah i got something for you buddy (laughs) all right in honor of his triumphant return to star wars we have maybe done this once or twice before but this is like a an in show in character this is dialogue from the show but i just thought it was such a cool line i stopped it rewound it like three times to make sure i wrote it down right quote there's always hope my friend though it often comes in forms not looked for the key is knowing how to see it and seizing that opportunity. Your boy Qui-Gon Jinn. I kid you not, Academy Award caliber, mm. classic Neesons. Classic Classic Neesons. QGJ, for short. It's not really short, though. It's all the same syllables. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, we're wrapping it up. We are going to do season seven. It's two episodes, right? Correct. We're going to treat that final arc 
Like as a feature film. As it should be, as a feature film with its own episode. I'm so pumped to rewatch this. It'll be like my fourth or fifth time. I've watched that season more can than any. Can you screen record Disney Plus on your phone? Not on your phone. No. You can screen record in Chrome, you know, on your Mac or your PC okay. or whatever. I was just thinking I want to record those last four and watch them as one. Mm. So so yeah. we can cover them as a feature film. That might be cool. Yeah. If if we could get that recorded for the four of us to, to or three of us to, well, no, Drew, Drew, you, you can watch it that way. Come on. The four of us yeah. to watch that way would be so cool. Oh, yeah. Like a different way to cover it. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. All right. As you may know, if you're looking for the podcast on the internet, on the social medias, you can find us at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram, at ThankTheMaker on Twitter. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. And I am at Nick Bayside. Thank you to everybody who's been picking up shirts. We still need to see you beautiful people send pictures wearing those shirts. Put them on. Model it. Disneyland's opening soon. Take some pictures. I mean, you're my, you might be in Disney World wearing it. I'm wearing my Top Gun podcast shirt right now. So get with the program. Yeah, where's your shirt? Yeah, maybe you're going to Disney World. Wear, wear a Thank the Maker shirt. Represent. ThankTheMakerMerch.com. The citizens of Batu will definitely heckle you or praise you, depending on which shirt you get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod, become a patron. There you can find the after show content. You can participate in these polls and do other stuff. I actually figured out something today that may be the solution for this watching movies together remotely thing. I love that. So that's coming. And I can't wait to do it. I feel like we should do an AMA episode soon. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah. Yep. That's for patrons. So patreon.com slash thank the maker pod. Also, that gives you access to our discord server, which is good times. A little Star Wars community to hang out and send each other memes and Talk about Star Wars, because we like Star Wars. Talk about us. Make fun of us. <laughs> How I can't remember anything. <laughs> Suggest new meds for Nick's memory. <laughs> so, dudes, uh, good hanging with you. Everybody, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the Force be with you. Yeah.